Welcome to the Ether. Today's Friday, April 29th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Figment and Archway, an AMA. Let's take a listen. Cool. We can go ahead and get things kicked off here with some intros. We'll have a couple more Figment people joining here shortly. Clay, if you see the invite on your screen, you should be able to hop a speaker here. But yeah, we can go ahead and kind of get things kicked off. Um, welcome everyone to the Archway AMA. Um, as a heads up, this space is being recorded, uh, and it'll last about an hour long. Um, we'll go through some intro questions here um, off the top, and then we'll kind of get into some more protocol questions. Um, and I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Uh, I'm Brady from the Figment team. I'm a protocol marketing manager here at Figment. I uh, do a lot of research on our protocols, social media stuff, and, and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead and Throw it over to our folks from Archway here. Griffin, if you would love to do an intro, that'd be great. Yep. Uh, thanks, Figman, for, for hosting us today. We really appreciate it. A um, couple things. So um, I'm the founder of, of PhiLabs, which is a, um, a software development company that is primarily focused on contributing to the open source Archway protocol. Uh, we're a spin-out from Ignite, uh, also known as Tendermint, and... Uh, uh, we've all been working in the, the crypto space and, and the Cosmos space for a very long time, but broadly speaking, crypto since 2015. And, and um, I've had a lot of unique experiences throughout our, our journey in crypto. Um, I'll hand it over to Mike. Yeah, thanks, Griffin and Brady. Uh, I am I'm Mike. I'm focused on ecosystem at PhiLabs. Again, as Griffin said, PhiLabs being a, a core contributor to the Archway Protocol. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a generalist, kind of on the non-technical side of the house, um, basically helping across the board on any and everything that isn't pure engineering. So, so broadly putting together plans, programs, resources to support the growth and the adoption of the overall protocol, working with the community, helping bring in and, and, and get DAP developers up to speed, making sure we've got the right partners in place, um, working with, with critical network participants like validators to make sure we've got a healthy and, and decentralized and high-performing network. Um, so yeah, kind of working across the board uh, on, on everything that isn't coding, I would say. Awesome. That's great. Appreciate the intros there. And we have our other segment people up on the stage here. I'll, I'll turn it over to Clay to do a brief intro and then Sa can go after him. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Clay. I, I'm the head of protocols at uh, Figment. Um, and uh, yeah, I can never get away from uh, hanging out with uh, Griffin. <laughs> we were hanging out a lot. Um, and uh, and uh, Amsterdam last week. Uh, it's great to, to uh, be back. But um, yes, uh, full, full disclosure. Um, you know, we we have um, you know as a as a company, we have invested in Archway, and we will be um, you know validating on the network and, and doing a lot more things uh, for the ecosystem. Um, but uh, super excited to uh, 
have this chat. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Can you all hear me fine? Yeah, all good. Cool. Uh, my name is Saad. Uh, I am one of the protocol analysts at um, Figment. And um, yeah, we've been in touch with Archway for a while now. Super excited to be on here and super excited to get this AMA going. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks for the intros. And Velvet Milkman, you want to do a brief intro as well? No, that's okay. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, my name is James. Uh, I am Velvet Milkman, um, and I work at Pigment as well. I also work at Pigment Capital. Um, I was also in Amsterdam with Clayton and with Griffin, um, and they hosted a number of really great events in Amsterdam, getting to know investors uh, as well as um, people eager to learn more about Archway. And uh, they'd held some really great uh, talks and just discussed the value proposition that Archway offers to uh, to its developers and uh, users alike. And really excited to share uh, what we learned and maybe ask some additional questions on top of that with, uh, with the team. Thanks for having me. Awesome, thanks everyone for the intros. Uh, we can kind of start off here with just getting into a little bit about Archway. Uh, Griffin, I'm curious, where's the Archway team located and how many folks are on the team now? Yeah, so um, Phi Labs, the, uh, one of the private software development companies, has a little over um, 20 people right now spread out around the world, uh, all over Africa, Europe, Asia, um, the Americas. Um, but we're not the only uh, entity contributing to the protocol right now. We're, we're incubated by Ignite. And um, inside Ignite, there's um, another like 40 or so people helping out across across different various things. So um, we're similar to most Web 3.0 companies. We're, we're spread out all around the world. Awesome. That makes sense. And just to get a little context about our, our guests here, I'm curious, uh, Mike, what was your first job in Web 3 or crypto? Yeah, so I, I jumped into the space full-time at the end of 2017. I started with a project called Loom. We, we were building some of the early Ethereum-based scaling solutions, things like sidechains and Plasma Cache, if anybody recalls back then. Um, we, we were also doing some developer education tools, building out um, something called Crypto Zombies, which helped bring a lot of Solidity developers and, and you know, really, for that matter, all sorts of blockchain developers into the space and, and get them up to speed on on smart contracts and how to build things like dApps. Um, we were also building some dApps ourselves. Um, Loom was actually one of the first Tendermint chains to go live way, way back in, in 2018. Um, so yeah, that was that was my foray into the space and, and uh, also my initial experience starting to dabble in and around Cosmos tech and the Cosmos stack. Awesome, appreciate that. I'm always curious about the different origin stories about kind of what pulls you uh, into the space here, because it can definitely come from a wide range of, of areas. Uh, Griffin, similar question to you. What was your kind of intro into Web3 and crypto? Yeah, I was very fortunate enough to um, get onto the Ethereum side and was able was one of the first hires over at a, a company called Consensus uh, back in the day. Uh, that would have been uh, around 2015. Um, so I had kind of a front row seat over there to build down some of the very early products, uh, you know, around MetaMask and Infura and, and, and seeing all the, the development of all that stuff and building out basically the Ethereum ecosystem almost from basically the initiation of the mainnet. So it was really, really fun experience. Um, 
I remember just a key highlight is I remember, uh, you know, the day the, uh, the Dow hack happened and we were on the call that evening eating tacos and then talking to miners around the world to basically fork uh, uh, the network, which um, now is known as ETC um, from the from the previous fork. So it's just really a unique experience up and down. Um, opening up different offices, working on the enterprise side, building on different products and engineering teams. Just had a really varied experience uh, in the early days of crypto. Gotcha. That's, that's amazing experience. Yeah, and I'm sure with all the um, developments happening around the merge right now, we could go down a whole rabbit hole to get your thoughts there and, and your take on that. But um, yeah, really, really interesting. Cool. I guess to get into a little bit more of the Archway discussion here to kind of break down it's more of the protocol. I guess, Griffin, um, how did you all come up with the idea for Archway and, and how long have you been building it so far? Yeah, great question. Um, so we've been working on it for the last uh, about a year and a half now, um, first incubated inside Ignite. And um, it kind of came from two different places. Um, first was um, the thesis that like at the time, the Cosmos ecosystem was just missing a lot of activity throughout. And Cosmos has this vision of like app specific or self-sovereign chains, which is just a fantastic idea. Uh, but the challenge is it's just very difficult to bring Cosmos-based networks to market. Um, and so what we were doing from the Ignite perspective is looking at how do we get in all this other activity that we were seeing on other layer ones, for instance, other uh, DeFi dApps, NFT dApps, things like that, where they don't necessarily maybe need their own individual network, but are still looking for a home. And how do we bring that activity into the Cosmos ecosystem? Um, so from there, we decided to start building the Archway protocol, which is a, a smart contracting platform for the Cosmos space. And we'll dive into that a little bit more. Uh, but what's unique about it is the, the reward system. Um, and I'll go back to the reason why we built the reward system in a little bit. But that's kind of the precipice of, of where it's coming from was how do we get, you know, some of the major DeFi dApps and NFT dApps into the Cosmos ecosystem? Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you for the context there. Clay, do you want to kind of take it over here with some more protocol questions about Archway? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, you know, interesting value proposition is, is you know, kind of uh, the, the incentivization mechanism uh, uh, baked into the protocol of Archway. Uh, on the from the developer uh, perspective. Um, so I think like just having like a, a general uh, explanation of, of how that works at the protocol level would be super helpful to, to start this uh, conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Clayton, thanks. Um, so basically it started from the, the Ethereum side. It's like you as a DAP developer, it's like this major segment that is not like usually compensated or rewarded um, on the Ethereum side. So, you know, if you even think about Web 2.0 platforms like YouTube or Instagram, you have all these individual contributors that are adding videos and images and content to the underlying platform for their contributions, but they're not necessarily rewarded for the contributions that they bring to the underlying platform. A lot of the value still kind of accrues towards, uh, you know, in the Web 2.0 space, whoever the platform owners are. So it's either Meta or, or Alphabet or whoever the major owners are. Um, 
we saw the same thing kind of playing out on the Ethereum side as well. It's like you have this one of the most critical components of any smart contracting platform is DAP developers. But on the Ethereum side, you have all these individual DAP developers that are building applications on tap, but they're not really being rewarded for the contributions that they're bringing to the underlying protocol. Um, you know, they're bringing at the end of the day transactions, users, other activity, and that's all driving value to uh, the community and to the protocol itself. But there's no way for them necessarily extract the value themselves unless they go in and purchase ETH as a token or like issue a governance token or something else around that. And so from our perspective, there was this major segment that was just not being rewarded. Um, and so what we wanted to do was build a reward system inside Archway Protocol that rewarded and incentivized all participants that participate in the protocol, not just the miners or the validators that contribute, but also the DAP developers. Um, and so Archway, uh, we think, is one of the first protocols where, at the end of the day, if you're a DAP developer building an application on top, you're going to be rewarded with uh, some of the inflation and the gas rewards that normally only goes to the validators or the miners, but instead a proportion of that goes to you as a DAP developer for bringing transactions and users to the underlying chain. Um, so at a high level, that's what the reward system that we've baked inside the Archway protocol does. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's a little... Um uh ironic uh sometimes when when you uh, some people say you know like web, web3 space is, is a better space for building uh you know if you look at um you know these protocols uh you know that, that we support as an infrastructure provider uh in the same way as uh you know platforms in, in the web2 space right uh like using like a a content creator on on youtube for example um they do get paid at, at the protocol platform level uh for, for the, the demand that they bring um you know, through the content that they create. Um, but, you know, in an application like, um, you know, Uniswap, uh, for example, it, it does not get rewarded whatsoever uh, for any of the, the block demand that they create through their application. So then that they have to create a business model on top of the protocol, um, which then becomes like a race to the bottom. Um, and then, you know, it generally, you know, you have to create a governance token and you have to, you know, create this like entire economy outside of this, uh, you know, obvious demand that you're driving and value to to the ecosystem at large yeah that was our general thoughts um as well as as we as we thought through this uh claim was um you know all the networks up until now have been innovating and iterating on fast transactions and low-cost transactions but nobody was taking a lot of the economic stuff that was being innovated at the dap layer and bringing that right into the layer one protocol um, and that's what Archway Protocol is ultimately experimenting with, is redesigning the reward system to incentivize those dApps that then would enable them to create new kinds of business models beyond just governance tokens and issuing a governance token and um, uh, selling an NFT. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, too, it's, you know, as these protocols uh evolve right I, I mean going through from proof of work to, to proof of stake um even um you know proof of work uh the people that got rewarded were uh miners uh for securing the network and, and now proof of stake uh you know at the protocol level um you know you bake in incentives not just to to validators but to token holders as well uh they, they can participate and you know provide value in securing the chain um but then this goes a level above it uh to where 
you know, if you look at the protocol as, um, you know, a social contract, you know, a, a set of rules that everyone agrees on, um, uh, for, for Archway, uh, you know, everyone participating in this ecosystem is agreeing um, that developers provide value and, and that uh, reward should be baked in to this protocol level um, social contract. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. Uh, Mike and then Gavin. Yeah, I, I think that's a great framing of it, Clay. Um, and, and I think you, you hit on one interesting example of, of Uniswap. And when you think about that in the context of Ethereum and kind of what's happening with EIP and what has happened with EIP 1559, which is a really, really clever mechanism where they're they're burning network fees to kind of create a negative net issuance of ETH, the underlying asset. So the supply becomes a little scarce and then thus, you know, presumably drives the value of, of that underlying asset. Um, but when you think about that, you know, from like um, kind of where value is being distributed, that's going to the investors, the token holders themselves, as, as you were saying, um, like the as from from adapt developers perspective, um, as as Griffin mentioned, they're the ones they're they're building successful products. They're they're bringing users, they're bringing assets, they're bringing transactions. They're creating a lot of value for for ETH, the underlying asset, um, but they're not directly capturing any of that. Um, and and so that's I feel like that's one helpful way to think about it um, in the context of EIP fifteen fifty nine, right? Like with Archway we said instead of burning those network fees and driving the value towards just investors and token holders um, by reducing the supply and then pushing the price, um, let's funnel those back to dApps and back to developers in the form of rewards so they can tap into these new recurring funding streams. They automatically get a stake in the underlying network and they can share in the upside if, if it's successful down the line. And it's just a, a deep alignment of interest between that DAP layer and the underlying protocol itself. Awesome. Uh, Gavin, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, I, love, I love that you're experimenting with new ways to, um, to sustain development. Um, you know, we hear so much, you know, you guys coming from the Ethereum community, uh, we hear like, you know, it happens, you know, there are cycles where we hear it all the time. Uh, everyone's making all the money except, you know, Ethereum core developers. They're like, so like the work they do is so, so important, but it's like not well compensated. And so to have an experiment where we say, okay, let's kind of, let's, let's invest. Like if we're willing to invest in security to pay for staking, well, why can't we also direct some of that into, you know, development? And that's super important. Um, one of the things that came to mind about this particular arrangement is I, okay so when i look at i remember i used to look at like ETH ga, uh, gas station or whatever and you'd see like ah the network's clogged up again like who's clogging it up and i'd see like um you know ponzi schemes and whatever uh what when when you they're the ones that were like for periods of time they were the ones that were consuming the most amount of gas and so i essentially that's kind of what we're doing here right we're incentivizing um contracts creators who consume the most gas are there you know do are they what like what are your thoughts around the potential to um to kind of be another sort of incentive for 
like high consumption, you know, Ponzi schemes or whatever for this incentive to be, you know, part of a Ponzi scheme? Yeah, let me rephrase the question a little bit, Gavin. I, I think what you're asking is like, um, you know, how do you prevent civil attacks on the network, right? Um, how do you prevent? I, that- I don't know if that's quite it. I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of like, I make a contract on Archway, and I the I and part of my plan is is if I get enough people interacting with it because it's like I'm running a Ponzi scheme. Not only do I benefit from the Ponzi scheme, or maybe I don't ben- benefit at all from the Ponzi scheme, but I benefit entirely from, you know, the transaction fees or whatever that my contract generates, you know? Like, because I assume that we want, like, high-quality smart contracts that generate these transactions, right? This transaction activity. Um, but there might be, like, someone might be able to kind of leverage this incentive to, um, to like, benefit themselves, even though it doesn't really benefit the network you know what i mean yeah mike do you want to take that one yeah so we've kicked this around a few times in a few different ways i think our view is ultimately that market dynamics will play out there there will be competitive dynamics at play and in the case where you have let's say a deliberately gas inefficient contract that is designed in a way to just um maximally extract as much of the proportional network rewards as possible. Um, whether that's a, a pure Ponzi or just, you know, maybe it's a legitimate DAP um, that just isn't well optimized and, and inefficient from a gas perspective. Um, we think market dynamics will will come in and keep that in check. And if, you know, if there is relative exploitation on uh, uh, kind of across that dimension, then competing apps will will come in, competing products will come in um, and and provide a, a more efficient implementation and thus a better experience for users and and um, you know essentially out compete um, and, and kind of keep a happy equilibrium between uh, gas usage, you know, optimized implementations and um, just a good a good user experience, which which basically means like low low fees, right? Then there's probably some degree of like moats with just like products and brands and established communities, but um, but yeah, in general, we we feel like mark broad market dynamics will keep that in check. Thank you, So Did you have a question? Yeah, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, speak about it's kind of like backtracking from this uh, point right now, but it's more uh, I want like to kind of um talk about what the rewards model looks like for archway and how uh exactly are the developers being incentivized that being said uh griffin was talking about uh civil attacks a little like he's almost started talking about it so that was actually one of my concerns as well it's like what does archway have like a safe fail safe method of preventing that someone spamming transactions on their own dive creating revenue for themselves is exploiting that mechanism so i uh, would love to hear more about that as well yeah and, and these are all great questions and, and to gavin's point earlier too it's like ethereum network can't stop scammy icos per se uh but what we can try to prevent is um uh, and we can't, you know, prevent which dApps go on the network unless we like hand select or equated like a white label system. But so market dynamics have to come in and, and play a role in some of this stuff. Um, from our perspective, though, on on the civil attacks, what we do is we share some inflation in the gas rewards. But ultimately, the cost of signing a transaction has to be higher 
than the rewards that will be received from the underlying DAP. Uh, and so as long as the costs are higher, uh, the cost to actually attack and do a civil attack will, will be much more than what they would receive in terms of the inflation gas rewards. Um, I don't know if we're ready to share the specific details on how that economic work model works specifically today. Uh, we'll be posting some stuff about it here in the coming months. Uh, but broadly speaking, that's how we think about it and have, have designed the platforms to make sure that the, the cost of science transaction and the gas spent into the system is higher than the rewards that will be coming out to the underlying DAP. Yeah, that. Uh, so you're gonna... I was going to pull in mic here. Let's go ahead. No, I, I think that sums it up. Yeah. So, so for for the initial version, right? It, it's um, there's there's basically a max a max rewards cap, and so it will it will never be profitable for someone to spam transactions and or contracts uh, because they would be paying more into the network than they would be earning back in rewards. Um, and then over time, as as Griffin mentioned, we're um, kind of this next iteration of the economic model that will be. We'll be sharing in the coming months. Um, it becomes a, m a more dynamic ceiling um, that will, you know, continue to keep things in in in, ch in check and and civil resistant, while also um, creating more incentive for developers by lifting a, a hard ceiling on the rewards cap. Cool, cool. Uh, Gavin, you have a I, I actually had a question also, which was like, just, I, I don't mean to just keep double clicking into this one, uh, this one like issue. I actually had a different question, but, but like in, in this example, um, don't the rewards go to the application and spend is, is from the users? Like it's it, like, I know you're mentioning that like the revenue, the revenue is greater than the cost, but isn't the cost borne by like the, the, individuals transacting and the revenue share goes back to the application, the developers? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. So uh, the, the end users basically are, are fronting the underlying cost by signing the transaction and paying with gas fees. And part of those rewards then go to the DAP developers. The, the concern on the civil attack side is if the end user is also the DAP developer, um, and how do you prevent those kinds of attacks? And those are the economic issues we're working through on our end to make sure a scenario like that would happen where the pay-in, let's say it's one gas fee, would be um, uh, the reward from that would be higher than what they would pay into the system. Um, and so that's how we think about it a little bit is if, if the end user is also the DAP developer, that would be one potential uh, civil attack factor. Cool. Um, I was I was wondering just maybe maybe to just like uh, change the direction a little bit. Um, you know, as these applications receive, uh, you know, a percentage of the re of both the transaction costs and the inflation. Like, what are some um, use cases that application that you kind of envision applications using uh, using those archway uh, that that those archway tokens for? Yeah, that's a great question, James. Um, and then I'll circle back to uh, Gavin next. Um, so when those tokens are allocate at that specific contract address, the DAP developer can do what they want with that. Uh, ultimately, they can use it to uh, redirect those proceeds into a DAO 
uh, for the community to vote on it. Uh, they can redirect it to their governance token holders uh, in the form of like governance distributions. They can use it to fund the team and new versions of their underlying DAP. Uh, they can redirect those rewards more directly to the key stakeholders in their DAP protocol. So, for instance, they can redirect them to LP providers in a DEX or something like that. Uh, so, really, it's completely up to the DAP developer what they do with those rewards that they're accruing. Uh, we hope that some DAPs will obviously reallocate those rewards directly back to their end users. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's up to each individual DAP developer to decide what's best in the best interest of their underlying community. Uh, but what's really cool, it's all programmatable. So you're going to be able to just move those rewards uh, in any way you see fit as a DAP developer. Cool. Kevin, did you have a question? Yeah, I'm curious. Um, like, what's the, is there, is there a ceiling for... Um, you know, like as you know, like Ethereum gets like clogged up or whatever or historically has. Is there like a um, like a ceiling for capacity, like, or is there a path to? And and I'm just curious if there's a path to like expand capacity, or you know, what are the limitations for what uh, kind of smart contract activity compute for uh, Archway are you seeing? Yeah, so one of the things is our virtual machine is a Cosm Wasm based virtual machine, uh, similar to like the Terra ecosystem. Uh, we allow DAP development in Rust. Uh, we'll also be supporting uh, Golang based smart contracts uh, for mainnet as well, which I think is pretty cool. I don't believe any other uh, protocol is um, building a WebAssembly support for, for Golang based smart contracts. Um, the Capacity side, or at least how we think about scaling, one of the unique advantages of the Cosmos ecosystem is, I would say Ethereum scaled vertically into like layer twos. We think about compute power and block space as scaling horizontally across many Cosmos-based subchains, uh, either through, um, you know, this is still R&D, we're not at this point yet, but like through shared security or interchain security and providing support and offloading that compute power from the main chain into side chains that would be secured by the main archway network. So we think about scaling at a horizontal level, um, unlike on the Ethereum spaces, thinking about scaling at the vertical level. Um, we still have a lot of work to do. It would be a great problem to have when we run out of block space for the community. Um, and we'll have to keep kind of working through some of these issues, but that's how we Broadly speaking, think about the problem as scaling horizontally versus versus ver vertically. Thanks. That makes a lot of sense to me. Very cool. Um, uh, leaning, leaning on that, uh, is, is there, um, you know, obviously the, the main archway chain uh, will exist in, in a way similar to like, you know, the Cosmos Hub or, or something where it's a little bit slower, less experimental. Um, do, do you envision like some of these, um, you know, shared security chains uh, being a little bit more... Um, ha having like, you know, uh, incentivization mechanisms that are uh, uh, for developers that are unique to those chains uh, as well. Um, something that may be a little bit more exotic. Or yeah, that's that's where it gets really cool. Um, you know, these are just ideas that are being floating around right now um, on our team. And I guess more broadly in the Cosmos space, too. But it's just allowing like those individual chains to redesign their economic models. And then just the main chain would provide security. Um, well, 
we, you know, we don't have any clear answers, but it is very interesting talking about these things um, and experimenting with these different ideas. And we do want, you know, those chains to be able to have as much level of customization as possible. Um, we also see as Archway is like an on-ramp to like running your own self-sovereign chain or your own Cosmos-based chain, right? Like you first get to market, you build a quick dApp uh, on top of the Archway protocol, and then... As your DAP takes up more and more block space and your community continues to grow, you might be able to mature off into your own side chain um, and be able to run, um, you know, that that completely independently. Um, and so we're thinking about that and how that economics would completely impact the main chain. But um, there's just a lot of, I guess, uh, you know, theories and experiments about how this is going. So we're, we're watching very closely in those discussions and just trying to think about the scalability um, and allowing these underlying dApps to mature into their own individual chains if they, if it warrants its own individual chain. Um, but with that being said, you know, we do think like 90% of the use cases uh, around dApps will probably not need their own self-sovereign chain and would be, you know, very much comparable and useful as just a single individual dApp deployed on the main chain itself. Awesome. Uh, Saad, did you have a question? Uh, I was actually just going to ask uh, regarding what uh, Griffin just talked about, uh, regarding um, dApps being built on Archway uh, versus their own chain. Well, other than that, uh, my question was that, um, how easy is to separate from the Archway chain to going into your own uh, we're still working on it right now. Uh, we want to obviously make the process as easy as possible. Um, you know, the, the easiest thing is to just spin up another parallel Cosmosm chain and put your contracts over. But then there's issues around liquidity and things like that. Uh, how does that move if you launched a governance token? How would that migrate to that new chain through IBC or something else? We're thinking through these issues. I don't think we have any um, definitive answers at this time. But let, let me let me back up. Like, here's here's how we see the problem a little bit. It's a little like a Web 2.0 problem. You know, when you're first building your Web 2.0 application, you might first deploy to like a Heroku or Digital Ocean and quickly get your app out there. But as your startup matures and grows, you migrate to like Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud where you get to start to manage your own instances. And then if you get really, really big as a Web 2.0 tech company, you might be able to run in your own hardware and your own servers and your own server farms somewhere else and have complete control of the full stack. We think of that metaphor analogy as similar to what we're doing on Archway. Like you first start off as your own dApp, and then if you need to, you mature off into your own self-sovereign chain. Um, the trade-offs are really on a case-by-case -case basis. So for instance, uh, building a dApp is going to be cheaper and faster for you to get to market, less costly, and you'll be able to start building your community right away. But conversely, you might not have full control over how your chain works, and you won't be able to necessarily customize it to your specific needs. Conversely, if you run your own self-sovereign chain, as a, you have full customization over how your network works, but it's going to be very expensive and very costly to get to market, and it's going to take a lot of time. Um, and so those are kind of the trade-offs. And so it really depends on the specific use case and what your needs are. Uh, but we do believe in the idea of like evolving dApps into self-sovereign chains. And hopefully Archway can play that role uh, within the Cosmos space to help, help make that happen. 
That was, that was really good. Uh, it kind of sums up uh, the motto that uh, Archway is the on-ramp to the Cosmos uh, ecosystem. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know if uh, anyone read uh, Delphi Digital's like, valuing layer one um, report that they released uh, earlier this week. Um, but, you know, when you, traditionally when, when you do value it, it, it is, uh, you know, coming strictly from, you know, a, a token or, or investor perspective. Um, and, you know, I, in general, when you, when you value, uh, and, and they're doing it based on, you know, revenue generated by chains and, and, you know, a bunch of other different models. But, you know, if you, if you value a, a company traditionally, like, you know, the, the amount of money that, you know, these companies make, um, there's a general assumption that they're going to be reinvesting and in, in things that matter. Um, but, you know, for a lot of these proof of stake chains, right, that value is just going straight to the token holder. Um, and you, there's, there's no expectation that it's going to be reinvested in the application layer or anything. Um, and so like just thinking, uh, you know, like using an example of, uh, you know, say uh, 25% of rewards, uh, you know, equates to uh, like $25 million, um, you know, worth of uh, reoccurring revenue for developers. Um, how quickly do you think, um, you know, uh, uh, how, how fast would people be able to scale out their products uh, on, on Archway with that reoccurring revenue coming in, like, you know, at the protocol level in comparison to, um, say, like developing, you know, uh, an application on another, on, on another network? Yeah, that's a great question. But I mean, I mean, the other cool thing about Archway is like it's redesigning what the business model is, right? So like initially DeFi protocols had to think about, um, you know, how would they get value to their community and to the core team? Um, and so they launched, you know, governance tokens uh, to help with that. And I feel like NFTs, like the business model is selling as much NFTs or taking a marketplace transaction from the transaction of the sale. But nobody's thinking about, um, you know, protocols when, like, you just have a steady stream of these rewards coming in. Like, what would be the business model for that DAP? Uh, and how could they basically evolve it for their community? Um, and, and so that's how we think about it a little bit more. And then to your point, Clayton, like, we've been running, we'll, we'll launch some dashboards here in the coming months where you'll be able to put in like um, an example like a Uniswap dApp on the Ethereum side and we'll show you exactly like how much rewards you'll be receiving um, as a dApp on top of Archway if it was the equivalent. Uh, conversely, like if you uh, just, you know, built a different type of dApp on Archway, you'll see exactly like what, what the amount of rewards coming in is. But what is so interesting is like, I guess broadly speaking, it's like, Today, the way layer ones deploy capital into their ecosystem is through like the foundations and through ecosystem funds and grant programs. But oftentimes, like it's only the insiders that have access to that, those resources and those capitals. Archway says, we don't care who you know. If you start bringing transactions and users to the underlying network, the network itself will share those rewards directly with you. And so, um, and the more your dApp brings in terms of transactions to the underlying chain, uh, the more value that's paid out to the underlying DAP. Um, and so to your point, like at a network valuation of, uh, you know, something in the order of, let's say, a, a billion dollars with, you know, inflation coming in at around 10% and, you know, 25% of that being allocated directly to the DAP developers, that's a lot of money going directly into the pockets of DAP developers building on top of the underlying chain. 
assuming those hypothetical uh, you know valuations and examples. And so you know we think of it; it's all done programmatically, like the distribution of these rewards, and and obviously. That's that's a lot of resources to be in the hands of developers to go build out, you know, not just their first version of their DAP, but their second, third, and fourth version of their DAP, uh, and hopefully continue to build and grow their underlying ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a uh, interesting, right? I, I mean, a lot of this space is is removing barriers to entry to participate in communities, um, and you know, it, us as an infrastructure provider, um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, we can spin up a validator um, at any point in time without having to knock on people's doors. Um, obviously, we do talk to these people, which is why we're having a conversation with y'all. Um, but you know, it, it is uh, there. There is a, a, a layer um, to it uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, from a developer perspective, that simply just doesn't exist if you want to run infrastructure on a chain or you want to buy a token. Um, you know, if, if you want to get that initial, like, you know, um, money uh, to, to, you know, launch a project uh, and you, there's no way to earn recurring revenue, you either have to um, get a bunch of lawyers in a room to, to uh, legally launch a token or, or get a grant. Uh, you know, from from someone, there is there is a human layer um, to to the process. Um, but I, I guess I never even thought of this. But uh, because there's going to be this recurring revenue um, at the protocol level, um, a lot of these application developers are going to have to have a lot more accountants on their team. <laughs> yeah, probably good for the crypto accounting software market. Yeah, uh, Saad, did you have a question? Yeah, um, I uh, just wanted to kind of uh, talk about um, what does uh, the feedback feedback loop look like for DAP developers? Almost like a user journey uh, for that. Like, would you mind just uh, explaining that a little bit? Um, yeah, so they develop. Uh, right now, we have support for Rust-based smart contracts uh, that are compiled up to our WebAssembly virtual machine. Uh, what they can do is they can go to the Archway Docs, um, download our CLI, and what we do is we scaffold up the project for them to completely easily start building uh, their Rust-based, WASM-based staff. Um, they go through, they build their DAP. Uh, we're working on cleaning up and smoothing the whole development process, the deployment process, et cetera, to one of the Archway testnets. So then they go ahead and deploy their uh, smart contract to the Archway testnet, and they select a uh, contract address in which they want the rewards to start to accrue for us when on deployment. And uh, those rewards, as more people interact with their smart contracts on chain, those that specific contract address will start to accrue uh, token rewards uh, that the they, they can use to reallocate to their community. Awesome. Uh, Jim, did you have a question? Or Velvet Milkman? I'm sorry. <laughs> Doxed. Um, I actually, it's, it's less of a question and actually more of just like an observation that I've, that I've noticed and I'm really excited about, which is, you know, you look at, like we, we mentioned Uniswap a lot, we mentioned like maybe Aave a little a lot, and these are huge protocols that have been so instrumental in the adoption of Ethereum. Um, and they have really no say, um, in how Ethereum, like the, the Ethereum ecosystem is like built and developed. I think one of the really interesting kind of areas uh that archway is going to be able to like explore is like as these applications um grow the ecosystem and adoption on archway and they start to earn archway tokens uh assuming there will be a token which has not been announced so maybe there won't be but assuming there is a token um 
you know, that's a, it's a governance token as well, right? And so ultimately applications will have the ability to um, have a treasury with the, the L1's governance token in its treasury and uh, governance token holders of the application uh, will be able to essentially begin to vote on how they see the, the L1 growing and evolving over time, which I think is a super interesting, like the applications will ultimately kind of have a seat at the table um, on how these uh, networks evolve over time. And I think it's like a really just interesting component of this that uh, I wanted to point out because I think about it a lot when I think about Archway. Yeah, that's what's so cool about it too. I'll let you go here, Mike, but it's just, the the tokens are getting in the hands of the developers who are going to be the ones that these tokens are also the same tokens that are used for governance and voting and steering of the underlying protocol and the foundations. And what's so cool about this is they're, as developers, they really get to decide. You know, it's really designed to get into the hands of the folks that are actually building on the protocol or also the same ones that are governing and steering the protocol. And um, not all... Web 3.0 communities have that kind of alignment, which we're really excited about what that might have as an impact on the governance side. Yeah, Mike? Yeah, just, just real quick. Um, phenomenal insight, Jim. I, I mean, Velvet Milkman. Um, I, I think that that's, you know, w one of the things that I've mentioned before is, is um, you know, the intention around the economic model design is partially to unlock these new funding sources, these permissionless funding sources for developers that anybody can plug into anytime from anywhere. Um, but it's also about just just a, a deeper alignment of, of DAP developers with, with the underlying protocol itself. And that uh, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, like that's a really, really powerful aspect to it is the fact that they, they will have a stake in the protocol, you know, it's not just about monetization and revenue, but it's about participation and contribution. And um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how, how that plays out. Um, and and in a lot of ways, I, I think I personally see see it in, or at least I see a lot of parallels between validators, like the validator model and DAP developers. And as we've been progressing with the, this design. Um, I, I continue to see that, right? Like validators are critical network participants. They're, they're providing very critical services to the network in verifying transactions, creating blocks, you know, keeping the health, keeping the network healthy, performant, up and running. Also, you know, being, being stewards of the network, contributing to the network in many facets, a, a very critical one being governance. Um, and, App developers, you know, I see very similarly. They're they're coming from a different angle, but they are also extremely critical network participants, um, and thus one should be able to capture some of the value that they're help, help helping create. Um, but then, secondarily, also be able to contribute on deeper levels, like like governance. Great point. Yeah. It's super interesting because um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, baked in. Uh, 25%, right? Um, but, you know, as the network activity kicks off, that, that number will just steadily rise since 50% of the fees go to developers. Um, and then when you're thinking about, you know, the multi-chain, right? Uh, you know, most applications are not thinking about launching on a single protocol. Um, well, then which 
protocol is that application going to care about? <laughs> you know, um, are, are they going to be focusing more time on, you know, X protocol or, or the, the protocol that is like literally paying them to be there um, and focus on building there uh, and providing value to that ecosystem? Um, so it, it's super interesting to see like, you know, what, what a lot of these multi-chain applications are going to be uh, doing on Archway as well. I definitely agree with that. The incentivization of the participation on, on the chain is definitely what I've been super interested in throughout this in, entire discussion and, and appreciate everyone's insights there. Just to be respectful of time, we are down to the final 10 minutes here. I do kind of want to ask a question about where Archway is along its roadmap currently to kind of bring it back down to earth a little bit. And I also want to open up the stage for anyone that uh, would like to request and ask a question. Feel free to do that now in these final couple of minutes. But um, Griffin, where does Archway sit right now kind of along its its roadmap and development plan? Yeah, so uh, the community recently launched uh, the incentivized testnet. It will be the first testnet where we're testing um, basically the economic parameters inside the underlying network around making sure we're exporting the right data around um, contract computation, um, that kind of stuff inside Wasm itself. Uh, the next test it will test the actual economic model itself. Um, we were very fortunate enough to have, I think it was like over 14,000 poll requests and participants to participate as, as validators in the underlying network. And, and even after screening, we just had a, just a, a humongous amount of folks that have been uh, very interested in validating and participating in the network, which is very exciting. And the community is really excited to see that. So right now is the test set. What we're hoping to do um, is around July timeframe, August timeframe, will be hopefully the, the community will bring to a governance proposal and, and launch the mainnet um, around that time frame. So we have this time, what's in the pipeline and, and getting ready for the mainnet launch later this year. I would just quickly add to that, that um, the we, we're really in the midst of the test set now. Um, it's called Tori. There's about two to three weeks left. And um, it's, it's a series of, of competitive challenges and, and kind of guided tasks, not just for validators, but there's, there's a whole like vast array of bounties for building out dApps, building out tooling, putting together content and kind of educational resources. So um, yeah, for folks that are, that are participating or might hear this later, um, be sure to, to, to check out Tori and, uh, and dive into some of those tasks and challenges. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Definitely some ways to get involved early in this, in this stage. Very exciting. Um, I don't, I didn't see any. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Saad. I just wanted to kind of uh, open like um, a bit of a uh, stage, I guess, for like the general audience as well about uh, who can provide content for you guys. So if let's say if somebody wants to just get up and be like, Hey, I want to write something for Archway. Is that something that you guys are facilitating or something like that? Just in case somebody wants to get involved. Yeah, I, we open it up to everybody who wants to get involved. Um, so you can definitely submit some content. What we have right now as part of the testnet is a um, uh, rewards program that if you write a really great piece of content that is supportive in some way to the Archway protocol um, and uh, kind of meets a lot of the criteria laid out in that specific testnet challenge, um, you can receive uh, real tokens at Maynet. So, um, you know, for folks that are interested in getting involved, we recommend checking out the incentivized testnet docs um, and kind of look at the different challenges and look at which one uh, is most aligned with the way you want to participate. 
Gotcha. Thank you very much. Are there any uh, remaining questions here from the Figment team or any uh, speaker questions? Feel free to just request up and we'll get you in there. Uh, I guess a final question for me, and it's um, a pretty cosmetic one, but what wallets will be um, supporting Archway at launch out of curiosity? Yeah, the, the great thing is uh, we're Cosmos native, right? So not only if you're building a DAP, you're um, building one on top of Archway, but via IBC, you'll be able to access, you know, all the other assets, liquidity and tooling throughout the whole Cosmos ecosystem, which is really exciting for folks that are definitely looking to go multi-chain um, and are looking to, you know, if you're a DeFi DAP, looking to access more TVL, Archway is a great way to, to get access to that. Um so we will be supported by uh, Cosmos Station, Kepler, all the big uh, Cosmos-based native wallets uh, will most likely be supporting us for mainnet launch. Uh, and you'll be able to use right out of the gate when we when we hit mainnet. Awesome. That's great. Thank you very much. Well, I would definitely encourage all of our listeners to follow Archway on Twitter at ArchwayHQ. Like they mentioned, there's you know a couple ways for everyone to get involved right now from the incentivized test net with some different content initiatives as well. So... Um, I'll kind of leave it open. Any any final remaining comments here from the Figment squad before we sort of wrap things up? I'm good. This, this has been a great conversation, as always, uh, Griffin and Michael. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate the time, Griffin and Michael. And feel free to leave any uh, final remarks here before we go. Uh, thank you, Figment, for having us today. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, we will make sure we post uh, additional links for folks that get involved in, in, in the protocol here kind of going forward. Awesome. Thanks so much, everyone. guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Figment and Archway AMA, recorded on Friday, April 29th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pain. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker. Step the fuck back Doing a little magic Pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday And I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing Left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception The base state blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These sums of money that go to the record label Per playback Can seem insultingly small Small Many rights holders are making around Three quarters of a cent Each time someone listens to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that for the actual artists, they say they're making pennies, say they're pennies, making pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mate And call at the zoo It's looking like the view Is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music
Spaces. Spaces.